0: You are now entering the One Piece Zone. Ahoy! Welcome to the One Piece Zone. My name is Alex Johnston. And I will be your navigator on this voyage through the currently 1004 chapter, 96 volume long, pirate manga series, One Piece. In today's episode, I'm going to be tackling Volume 1, Romance Dawn. Tell you a little bit about myself uh, before we get started. I am Canadian. I do a job that mostly involves looking at computers all day. I am older than One Piece, but not by very much. I first encountered One Piece in the November 2003 issue of the English language version of Shonen Jump, and from there it was off to the races. I've been reading One Piece on and off uh, for basically the rest of my life, until now. The idea for this podcast came to me in the haze of the first phase of the pandemic last year, where I was, uh, had just re-re-re caught up to the latest chapter of One Piece, and in that uh, pandemic haze, I had made the... Bizarre decision to begin amassing a physical collection of all the volumes of One Piece. I thought to myself, I need to talk about these fucking pirates or I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. Not realizing, of course, that by wanting to start a podcast about manga, I already had lost my goddamn mind. So anyway, it's nearly a year later and here we are in the One Piece Zone. This series is going to be a work in progress for the first few episodes, at least, uh, probably longer. Um, I'm going to start off by doing a recap of, of the volume, talk about the cool moments, the characters we met. Uh, One Piece, you know, is famous for the number of named characters, over a thousand. Uh, and then we're going to do segments. I love segments. Segments are going to come and go from episode to episode as I feel like it. Um, this is just what makes sense to me for the first episode. It may not make sense later. We'll We'll switch it up. I, I will eventually have guests to keep the show fresh and interesting and, and not just being my voice all the time, um, but for now, it's, it's just me. With all that being said, let's dive into Volume 1, Romance Dawn. Okay, so how this is going to work is I'm going to go through chapter by chapter. I'm going to lay out the plot. I'm going to hit a usually one, but for the first chapter, more than one key moment. I'm going to give a takeaway for the chapter as a whole, and then I'm going to lay out the new characters that were the new named characters that were introduced in that chapter. Chapter one, Romance Dawn. So the story of One Piece opens with the public execution of the King of the Pirates, Gold Roger. With his final words, he encourages people to find and claim his treasure, which will require searching the whole world. With these words, the great age of piracy begins in the world of One Piece. An undisclosed amount of time later, uh, we're introduced to a small town that a pirate crew has been using as a base for a year. A young village boy named Luffy tries to impress the pirates by stabbing himself in the face uh, with a knife. Um, the pirates, <laughs> this, this does not work. Um, the pirates, you know, take Luffy, Luffy they he gets, get him a, a nice band-aid, you know, And they all celebrate Luffy's courage in the bar. Um, And they they tell him all about how how great being a pirate is. The captain of the crew, uh, Red-Haired Shanks, makes fun of Luffy and tells him he can't be a pirate because he's too little, uh, too weak, and he drinks milk. Which a real pirate would never do. Shortly thereafter, a group of mountain bandits led by a man named Haguma the Bear arrive looking for Grog. When they find out the pirates have drank it all, they break the last bottle over Shanks' face and act intimidating. Instead of getting angry or attacking them, Shanks uh, is just apologetic to the bartender and offers to clean up the mess. The bandits leave, laughing at Shanks's cowardice, and Luffy is also angry that, that Shanks didn't fight back. But Shanks simply says that when Luffy's over, older, he'll understand that needless killing doesn't make you a man. Immediately after this, uh, Luffy tries to walk away in a hu- huff, but Shank grabs his arm, which stretches like rubber as Luffy continues to walk off. Everyone realized that Luffy ate the gum gum fruit, a devil fruit. He's become a rubber man, and he will never swim again, uh, but now his body stretches like rubber. So that's nice for him, I guess. Uh, sometime later, after the pirates have left on another you know, raid, whatever pirates do, it's kind of unclear. <laughs> The, the Mountain Bandits return and begin drinking. Um, they mock Shanks, and Luffy gets upset and attacks them. After a period of the bandits beating Luffy and multiple townspeople, including the mayor, begging for his life, Huguma decides uh, he's just going to kill Luffy. He's, he's had enough of playing with him. It's time to show what happens when you're, we fuck with the Mountain Bandits. But luckily, Shanks and his crew return in the nick of time. And this time, when Huguma tries to intimidate them, they effortlessly destroy the mountain bandits. Um, there's, you know, the iconic moment when Shank says it's dangerous to play with guns or it's dangerous to point guns at people, and then uh, Lucky Roo, one of my favorite characters, blows the uh, mountain bandit's head off. Um, ben Beckman, the one of the Shanks, Shank's first mate, I believe, um, burns a dude's eye out with a cigarette. Sick. It fucking owns. Haguma flees to the ocean in a dinghy with Luffy as his hostage. He throws Luffy into the water to drown because he can't swim because of the devil fruit, Um, and then an enormous sea serpent arrives and devours Haguma and and the little dinghy. When the serpent goes to eat Luffy too, uh, Shanks grabs him and glares at the beast until it flees. But when we zoom out a little bit, we see the creature has bit off Shanks' arm when it went for Luffy. Afterwards, Shanks and his crew prepare to leave the island for the final time. Luffy accepts that he can't go with them, but declares that he's going to be the king of the pirates. Shanks gives a crying Luffy his straw hat and tells him to return return it to him once Luffy has become a great pirate. Ten years later, Luffy sets out to sea in a dinghy. When the old sea monster attacks, he blasts it with a powerful, stretchy-armed punch, and he's off on his great adventure. So, you know, uh, that's that's chapter one. That's the introduction to one piece. And it's I I love this chapter. I think it's really well done. Generally, I'm going to try and limit myself to one key moment per chapter um, because, you know, most of them are only 20 pages long. But this is the first chapter loaded with important moments. I'm going to give myself a a freebie two for this chapter. So first, um, we start off the chapter with Gold Rogers final words before his execution. Those words set the tone for the entire series, Um, though his treasure doesn't actually get called The One Piece until Chapter 2. This is literally the goal of the main character, Luffy, from the first chapter to the most recent 1004th chapter. Plus, starting the series with this moment instantly establishes Gold Roger as a legendary character of mythic importance, and the few times, still few, we're a thousand chapters in and it's still rare and important when his name is referenced. The few times he's referenced, uh, he, the few times he appears in a flashback or a character shows up that knew him, was a member of his crew, or just was around him, um, it adds incredible excitement and weight to the story. And that is because of, you know, the importance that we give to, to Gold Roger right now, right here, chapter one, page one. My second key moment for chapter one is uh, Shanks giving Luffy the, the, the straw hat. His name is Straw Hat Luffy. That's how he gets the straw hat. This And the climax of the debut chapter uh, immediately preceding it establishes everything. Luffy's model for how to be a pirate captain and also a person, a symbol of respect from his hero to hold and treasure, and also a secondary goal for him to one day achieve, the day that he will return the straw hat to Shanks. At a thousand chapters in, Luffy and Shanks still haven't reunited face to face. Even thinking about this inevitable reunion makes me emotional. On the other hand, the gift of the hat is not just about Shanks. The hat itself becomes a symbol of Luffy and his values. The people Luffy trusts to take care of the hat, the people who treat the hat with respect, the people who disrespect the hat. All of these things happen in the story, and they become powerful emotional moments in the series thanks to the weighty, um, the weighty way that Shanks gives Luffy this hat. Uh, it's more than just a flashy bit of headwear. It's, it's a symbol. Anyway, my takeaway for this chapter is uh, being a pirate owns. It's fun to be a pirate. Pirates are cool heroes. Um, They briefly mention uh, stealing, you know, the thing that pirates do. But generally, Luffy and us, the readers, are taught in this chapter by Shanks and his crew that being a pirate means being a cool, strong guy that can have fun, do whatever they want, and protect their friends. And that's more or less uh, our understanding of pirates for the series as a whole. The new characters we met in this chapter, I mean, they're all new because this is literally the first chapter. Oh, I should give a little bit of background. So one of the things One Piece is famous for is having a bazillion characters. There's over a thousand named characters in the series. I am going through as we read each volume and I am i have taken from the wiki page the complete list of named characters in One Piece. I am isolating the characters that debut in each volume and I'm i am going to keep track of, of how many debut where, and I'm going to give them rough categorizations. I won't go into the details here, I'm going to do some of that behind the scenes, eventually there's going to be a zine that I'm going to do, just a little low budget, it's just going to be a small, you know, self one person show kind of thing. But um, um, there are a lot of background characters and joke characters that get, are technically named characters, but you know, you would never know their name, any of you who did know their name, it doesn't really matter because they never do anything. So um, those characters I'm not going to highlight in these little segments. Um, I'm just going to highlight uh, characters I think are worth talking about. Um, however, I am in, in the zine. I am going to highlight every single named character. I'm going to give you their category, and I'm going to um, give them a little show their show their debut image, the the their first uh, drawn appearance in the comic. So with that said, the the characters above background level that appear in this volume, the debut in this volume, are uh, Ben Beckman. This is in alphabetic order. Ben Beckman, that's Shanks' first mate, the guy with the gun who puts his cigarette out in the Mountain Bandit's eye. Cool dude. Gold Roger, or Gold D. Roger, as we will learn a long time from now. Um, He's the King of the Pirates. Beautiful. We love it. Haguma, leader of the mountain bandits. That's him. Lord of the Coast, uh, that's the name of the big sea serpent that Luffy punches and uh, that bites Shanks' arm off. Lucky Roo is the name of the uh, rotund gentleman in Shanks' crew. Um, he owns. One of my favorite characters, even though he's, you know, not in the comic that much. Um he's also he's the guy that blows his the best panel in the entire volume, as far as I'm concerned, where he, after Shanks, says, It's dangerous to point guns. Um, He blows the dude's head off. Excellent. Uh, Makino, or Makino? Uh, Anyway, she's the bartender in Luffy's hometown. Monkey D. Luffy is obviously our protagonist's main character. Shanks, red-haired Shanks, captain. We know who he is. (laughs) The name of the mayor is Whoop Slap. Uh, This is his debut. Wonderful name. Uh, Oda is a real fucking genius. Uh, and then Yasop, who you can barely even figure out which guy he is in this first chapter. Um, he's one of uh, members of Shank's crew. He's going to be important later. Um, so he technically debuted here, even though you really, it's kind of hard to figure out which one he's supposed to be, but he'll be important later. So that's why he's technically introduced here. Chapter two, they call him Straw Hat Luffy. So the second chapter begins with Luffy being sucked into a whirlpool. Uh, We cut to the Alveda pirates, whose captain Iron Mace Alveda is a uh, full-figured woman who doesn't hesitate to use her mace on anyone who displeases her. A few members of her crew find a barrel washed up on her island base and try to open it in secret, hoping hoping that it's booze. The barrel turns out to contain Luffy, who survived the whirlpool. Luffy meets Kobe, a cabin boy who set out to join the Navy but was drummed into Alveda's crew against his will. And he hasn't been brave enough to attempt to escape. Luffy inspires Kobe to stand up to Alvita, and when Alvita tries to crush him with her mace, Luffy absorbs the blow with his rubber body and knocks her out. He demands a dinghy, and with Kobe in tow, he leaves Alvita's island for another adventure. So, key moment: um, Kobe being inspired by Luffy to stand up for himself. Uh, Luffy may be a rubber man, and that gives him a lot of crazy abilities, but his most important ability is the strength of his convictions and the way he inspires others to stand up for their beliefs in the face of overwhelming adversity. Uh, So I guess that's also kind of the takeaway. I did them both. Whoops. The new characters we met in this chapter are Alvita, who may return someday, who can say, and Kobe, who's going to be a co-main character for the rest of this volume. Chapter 3. Enter Zolo, Pirate Hunter. Okay, here's my disclaimer. I know some people don't like Zolo, but like pronouncing his name Zolo as opposed to Zoro, but the manga writes his name that way. This is a podcast about the manga. I will be pronouncing the name Zolo. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. I watched a video online from someone who speaks Japanese, and they said both are correct, so I don't want to hear about it. Zolo. Kobe and Luffy land on an island with a naval base, discussing rumors that the demonic pirate hunter Roronoa Zolo is supposedly imprisoned there. They discover the townspeople are terrified at both the mention of Zolo and the marine captain, Morgan, who runs the base. After a little investigation, they find Zolo tied to a post at the naval base. A little girl tries to bring him rice balls, but she's stopped, and she's thrown over the fence that surrounds the base under the orders of Captain Morgan's spoiled son, Helmepo. Luffy catches the little girl and learns that Zolo was imprisoned for killing Helmepo's dog after it attacked her. Helmepo told Zolo if he could last for 30 days without food, he'd be released. Luffy overhears Helmeppo bragging about how he's going to break that promise and have Zolo executed in a few days. So Luffy punches Helmeppo, who runs away to tell his father about the attack. Your key moment this time, um, the reveal of Zolo owns. We've heard his name mentioned a few times in chapter 2. It's been built up for the first few pages of the chapter, then bang, there he is, hung up on a cross, suffering, shaded in dark blacking, so we know he's scary. But then in the same chapter, we learn he's really a good dude. He eats fucking sand, so a little girl knows how much he appreciates her trying to help him. That's the good stuff right there. My takeaway here, don't break your word and brag about it around Monkey D. Luffy. Helmeppo laughing about how he lied to Zolo is what sets the next few chapters in motion. This is just the beginning for this trope in One Piece 2. Over the course of the series, we're going to see a big focus on promises, either broken and heinous betrayal, or kept long past the point any reasonable person would have accepted that not all oaths are meant to last forever. So keep an eye out for that one. This time around, our new characters are Helmeppo, of course, the spoiled son of the naval base that we'll meet next chapter, uh, Rika, the little girl that tries to bring the rice balls to Zolo, and Roranoa Zolo, um, pirate hunter. Chapter four, the great Captain Morgan. Helmeppo tells his father that he was attacked by Luffy, and his father tells him to fuck off and fight his own battles. While Helmeppo is tattling, Luffy goes to visit Zolo and tries to convince him to join his crew. Zolo's not interested, he's never done anything, regrets, etc, etc, he's not starting now. Uh, Luffy says he doesn't care, and Zolo is joining his pirate crew anyway. Decides to find Zolo's swords, because then Zolo would have to join his crew. Meanwhile, uh, Helmeppo gets mad that his dad isn't hunting Luffy. Morgan then beats the shit out of him and tells him he's worthless. Morgan goes on and on about how his rank makes him important, that all that matters in life is rank and status. Morgan has been having a big statue of himself built for years, and it's just about ready to be set up. Then, uh, somewhere in here, Morgan finds out about um, Rika, the little girl, sneaking onto the naval base to see Zolo, um, and he orders a soldier to kill her for defying his orders. Then when the soldier refuses, he kills the soldier. As the Marines erect the statue of Morgan on top of the naval base's tower, Luffy uses his rubber jump thing uh, to spring to the top of the base that's called a gum-gum rocket, and he grabs the statue to prevent overshooting, which uh, destroys the statue entirely and makes Morgan flip out with anger. Um, at the same time as this is happening, Kobe begins untying Zolo and explains that Helmeppo lied and Luffy is... Um, Luffy was furious when he found out that, that Zolo was going to be executed. A marine sniper shoots Kobe, and as far as we know, he's dead. Luffy runs off with Helmeppo as his captive to end the chapter. So my key moment for this for this chapter is um, Morgan tells Helmeppo that the reason he never hit him as when he was a child is because he was too worthless to be worth hitting. Brutal. After the previous chapter sets up Helmepo as this loathsome little brat that we despise, obviously, as the readers, Oda kind of flips things on us. Whether or not you pity Helmepo after this, um, you know, he's a grimy little shit either way. Oda successfully shows us that Morgan is the real villain on this island, and he is the root of the the rot besetting this community. My takeaway is uh, sometimes armed agents of the state use their power and authority for their own benefit rather than for the benefit of the community they are supposed to protect. Damn. Our new characters uh, this chapter are Captain Morgan and Rokaku, who is the guy that gets ordered to kill the little girl and says no, and then gets killed immediately. Should he have been a background character? Uh, Maybe. I don't know. He has an important line. I think he, like, adds something to the story. I'm keeping him. Chapter 5, The King of the Pirates and the Master Swordsman. Luffy makes Helmeppo show him where Zolo's swords are, all three. Down on the ground, Kobe has survived being shot, but the marines have gathered and are going to shoot both him and Zolo on the spot. Zolo realizes he's about to die and flashes back to his youth. I'm going to go over this flashback in greater detail later, so we'll just um, kind of hop over it for now. When we return to the present, after the flashback, um, as the marines are firing, Luffy uses his stretchy abilities to fire himself down to the ground, and perfectly blocks all the bullets with his rubber body. And then they, of course, uh, sink into his rubber flesh and then get sprung back, like out of a slingshot, the way they came. Luffy offers Zolo his swords and says, you can take these and live and be a pirate, or you can let the Marines kill you. And Zolo agrees to join his crew. Uh, The highlight of this chapter is obviously the flashback sequence, but I'm going to do a deep dive on that later, and I didn't really tell you about it yet, so here I'm just going to highlight Luffy blocking the firing squad's bullets with his rubber body. A major oh fuck yes moment if I've ever seen one. And again, we get that crucifix imagery we saw before with Zolo on the cross. Um, here, Luffy makes a cross with his outstretched arms to protect his friends from harm, just as they're about to be killed. Uh, for takeaway, again, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to talk about the flashback in a bit. So for now, I'll say every time Luffy blocks bullets with his body and people that shoot them go, who? Huh? It owns. And I go, yeah. Our new characters um, for this chapter are both characters from the flashback that I'll tell you a little bit more about later, but for now, um, their names are Kushiro, um, who is uh, Zolo's childhood sword, childhood sword teacher, and Kuina, his sword teacher's daughter um, and Zolo's rival. Chapter six, number one. Luffy struggles to untie Zolo as the Marines charge in with swords. He unties one arm in time for Zolo to cut himself free and block all the attacking marines with a single motion. Zolo and Luffy team up to kick the marine grunts' asses, leaving only Morgan. Luffy fights Morgan one-on-one and kicks his ass. Helmeppo grabs Kobe and holds him at gunpoint, um, but Luffy knocks out Helmeppo and Zoro takes out a sneak attacking Morgan to win the day. The marines then celebrate as their horrible captain has been defeated. Key moment here. Zolo blocks all the Marines charging in with their swords with a single move because he's cool as hell. That's it, your key moment. Zolo being cool as hell. Takeaway, L- Zolo and Luffy are badasses, and they're cool as hell. No new characters this, cha- this chapter. Yeah, baby. Chapter 7, Friends. After the battle, the Marines tell the Straw Hats, uh, the Straw Hats here being <laughs> Luffy and Zolo, They must leave the island because they're pirates. Luffy pretends to get in a fight with Kobe so the Marines won't think Kobe's a pirate and he can fulfill his dream of joining the Marines, which he does. Key moment here, uh, Kobe risks his new position in the Marines to salute his friends as they leave for the high seas and then all the Marines salute with him. What a nice moment. Um, Takeaway. So my takeaway here is um, this bit where Luffy seems like he's going to get Kobe in trouble by telling him all about how he's worked with pirates before. Um, And then that he did that to provoke Kobe into getting in a fight with him. So this will convince the Marines that they aren't friends. So Kobe will be allowed to enlist with the Marines. You might think to yourself, surely there was an easier way to accomplish this without scaring and then beating up your friend. And boy, howdy, I need you to saddle up because Luffy does mean thing out of nowhere, only for it to be revealed that he was actually doing something good in a roundabout way, AKA to quote Hideo Kojima. Once you recognize the reason, you will feel ashamed of your words and deeds. Um, this is actually one of Oda's favorite storytelling tricks um, to pull out. He pulls it out every couple arcs or so. Is it good? I feel like it's corny at best uh, here, but I'm going to evaluate each instance as we go along on its own merits, and I will bring a, bring it up. There's like, ah, oh, he's doing that thing again, that thing that he loves to do. Our new characters in this chapter is just Ripper, who is um, the The new captain or or commanding officer in after Morgan is under arrest. He's he's in charge on that island. Chapter eight, Nami. Luffy and Zolo head out to sea and quickly become lost without a navigator. Luffy then tries to catch a bird, but it's bigger than expected and it flies off with him. Zolo chases after him, but stops to rescue and then beat up some stranded members of a pirate crew called the Buggy the Clown Pirates. They tell the story of a stranded woman they went to rescue slash rob who stole their ship and left them stranded as the ship she was on capsized. Then we cut to a clown or circus themed pirate ship where the hidden in shadows not yet revealed Captain Bucky the Clown shoots down Luffy's bird. Leaving Luffy to crash into a group of pirates chasing the girl who stole Buggy's men's ship in the earlier flashback. Try to follow along. Sorry. It's a little complicated. She tricks the pirates into attacking Luffy by calling him boss. Then beat, he beats them up, and then she reveals she's a thief who steals from pirates. And she ends the volume saying, Want to team up? A key moment here? Luffy gets carried away by a bird. It's funny. It's just good comedy, folks. You'll, you won't find it anywhere else. Takeaway. Wow, I'm just excited to get to know these new heroes and villains and read all about them in the next volume of One Piece. Our new characters this chapter were Nami, we're going to learn a lot more about her, and Pinky, which is the name of the bird that carried off Luffy. I love Pinky. What is your dream? Okay, so one theme in One Piece that's so big it deserves its own segment is dreams. In One Piece, basically every character has a dream, and no matter whether it's stupid, practical, or impossible, the manga spends time lending weight and pathos to each character's dreams. So in this section, we'll go over the new dreams that have been introduced, um, so that's all of them because this is the first volume, and give quick mention to previously established dreams that get brought up and progress in some way during uh, future volumes. I realize that this means For every episode, for over 100 episodes, I am going to be saying Luffy's dream is to become King of the Pirates. But this is a One Piece podcast. I knew what I was getting into here. With that said, Monkey D. Luffy's dream is to become King of the Pirates. We get a lot of talk about Luffy wanting to become King of the Pirates in this volume. As you might expect, he brings it up for the first time towards the end of the first chapter. He yells it at Shanks, after which Shanks gives him the straw hat the main function of Luffy's dream in this volume is to inspire Kobe to be brave. Kobe is maybe the second most important character, um, in this volume and, and he gets a full arc, a complete arc. Um, so yeah, Luffy having this crazy big, impossible dream, but going for it anyway, knowing that it's probably impossible inspires Kobe to go for his dream. Which brings us to Kobe's dream, which is to join the Navy and or become a Navy officer. He says it a couple different ways, so it's both. Whatever. Kobe has been pressed ganged into Alveda's crew. He wants to join the Navy. Luffy inspires him to stand up for himself. He joins up with Luffy. He helps Luffy do the right thing in the face of the evil Navy Captain Morgan. He joins the Navy. Isn't that beautiful? Dreams can come true. Don't get used to it, though. It's going to be a while before he hit another achieved dream, if I remember how this goes. Roronoa Zolo's dream to become the world's greatest swordsman. Zolo promised his dead childhood friend Kuina that he would become the world's greatest swordsman. That's it. Uh, so far, seems to be doing good. Uh, zero defeats in this in this volume. <laughs> So from dreams, which are about the future, we transition perfectly into stories about the past, a.k.a. flashbacks. Ichiro Oda fucking loves flashbacks. He does. Man loves to have the page backgrounds darken to black and tell a heartbreaking story about how and why someone came to believe what they believe, act how they act, and be who they are, no matter how strange, bold, or, increasingly as the series goes on, ridiculous those beliefs, actions, or selves may seem before the flashback begins. You'll understand him in the end. This episode's flashback is, of course, uh, Zolo's flashback um, where he's thinking about his uh, inspiration to become the world's greatest swordsman um, just when he's about to be executed by the Navy. He flashes back to his, his childhood where he was training to become a swordsman at a dojo, um, but there's one student he can't beat, and that is Kuina, the daughter of the, the teacher at the dojo. He challenges her to a duel with real swords at night. They fight. He loses again. He can't beat her no matter what. Then she confesses to him that she's, you know, he's jealous of her because she can, he confesses to her that he's jealous that he can never beat her. But then she confesses to him that she's jealous of him because he's a boy. And, you know, she's a girl and she believes that, you know, boys get stronger and girls get weaker as they get older. And that soon she won't be able to compete anymore um you know this isn't necessarily true in in real life or in one piece depending on you know the aspect i'm listen i'm not here to get into gender essentialism um but but you get that what her what her fear is right it's the fear of an adolescent and 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 having a suspicion for what how women are treated in society and what their rules are seen to be and and how soon whether she wants to or not, the world is going to try and close in around her, and she is going to have to try twice as hard as as anyone else to have the future she wants. And then um, Zolo swears to Kuina that they, you know, boy or girl, who gives a shit, man? We're all people, man. But, But he pledges that the two of them have to become the world's two greatest sword fighters, and so then they can have a duel to prove who's the very best when they're adults. And, and she laughs at him um, and she agrees and they swear it. And then the next day, um, Zola wakes up to find out Kuina has fallen down the stairs and died. And that's all there is to it. And she's dead. And he is heartbroken and Kauna's father says to him, humans are fragile things. And it it's brutal it's really brutal and you know you can talk about you know fridging or whatever or like you know killing off a female character to inspire a main character but you know Kawina gets pretty good characterization and um i like her a lot and i think this is an effective flashback and i think it adds a lot of pathos and um zolo swears then and there that he To inspire her, also, he asks if he can have her sword, number one, which is cool. And number two, he swears that he uh, will become the world's greatest swordsman because she isn't able to. And that owns, and it fucks me up. And it's a really strong way to establish that Oda loves his flashbacks, and he loves to make you cry. I'm rating this flashback 9,000 out of 10,000 heartstring pulls. That's all there is to it, baby. Hell yeah. That brings us to Faction Land. As we continue our voyage through this podcast, We arrive in faction land. In our brief stay here, I will run through the factions that appeared in this volume and give them an introduction if they're new, which they all are, because this is the first episode of the podcast. In the future, I'll give brief updates if anything new comes up for a previously established faction. So this week, uh, we learned about the red-haired pirates, Shanks' crew. They exist to set the bar for Luffy and, and us, also, the readers, about what a pirate crew can be, what it should be, maybe. And then um, they are ghosts for Luffy to chase in the hundreds of chapters to come. It'll be a long time before we see them again and longer still before Luffy does. Mountain Bandits. We will never, I think, maybe as a cameo, but I don't remember that. We will never see these lads again. Only Higuma gets a name. Good effort, boys. Rip to shot in head guy and cigarette in eye guy. The two members of the Mountain Bandits that I know about. The Alvita Pirates. So the Alvita Pirates are done after this is a faction. They're the pirates of Iron Mace Alvita. Maybe we'll see Alvita again. Who can say? Um, The Marines slash the Navy. So we're going to see a lot of these guys. They work for the world government. They hunt pirates. Theoretically, they keep the peace and they fight to keep things as they are. The status quo, which as we've seen, is often bad and not just because the world is teeming with pirates. The Buggy the Clown Pirates. Uh, Who's this Buggy the Clown guy? Why is this ship sick as fuck? I will be revealed next time on wait okay hold on we're not we're not going to get any additional details with the ship next episode It's just cool also this podcast isn't over yet there is this is not the next time on that comes later and now it's time for the Oda's Guys and Gals Award, given to the best character of the volume. I'm trying to be fair, but to be honest, it's going to be a while before a woman wins this award. It'll happen eventually, but just hang in there, ladies. I'm rooting for you. The winner this week is Red-Haired Shanks. It's a bit unfair because he has the benefit of being the star of the debut chapter, which is extra long and, of course, gets extra special att- attention because, you know, as previously mentioned, the first chapter of a manga makes or breaks the series, blah, 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 blah. He has the three best lines, the three best panels. His stuff is just the cream of the crop in this volume. He gets all the coolest moments, and you aren't going to see him again for like 500 chapters, so he obviously needs to make a big impression. Hello, loyal listeners. This is editor Alex here. Small fact check. Shanks will in fact return about 100 chapters in, not like 500 chapters in. We apologize for this error, and we'll strive to do better in the future. Thank you. Let's go. The runner-ups this week are Roronoa Zolo and Mo- Monkey D. Luffy. So uh, the runner-ups are in no order, which you know we got the you know the first two members of the crew, the main character and the second main character. Um, his his first mate, Zolo gets his incredible debut, his cool fight moment, his tragic backstory. Luffy is the main character of the manga. I mean, he has some good moments. He beats a bunch of people. He gets gets some good comedy in this volume, which is, you know, great. We love that. Um, And he is the driver of the story of One Piece. So, you know, counts for something. And now it's time for Oda's Beautiful Beasts. This is the award for Best Animal of the Volume. The winner of Best Animal this episode is Pinky, the bird who flies away with Luffy in Chapter 8. He gets shot with a cannonball by Buggy the Clown, but personally, I believe he survived. Pinky forever. I love him because the panel where you see Luffy's head and Pinky's mouth is really fucking funny. Bada bing. Okay, next up, um, we're going to quickly talk about lore and world building. Um, Just kind of a catch-all for... Stuff that's not plot, it's not character, but I want to talk about it. You know, One Piece is a giant, sprawling world, and there's a lot of neat stuff. And even though we're not into the, the, you know, air quotes, real lore yet, um, there's lots of cool details to talk about. So here's here's just to start off. Rorino Zolo, who we know wants to be the greatest swordsman, uses three swords. He practices a, st- a three-sword style called Santoryu. Um, I don't have a lot to say other than than A, it's cool as shit, he holds a sword in his mouth, that owns. B, this is the tip of the iceberg for sick ass sword styles and techniques. It's going to be a recurring thing that I address in this segment because I think swords are cool. I think maybe I'll just wrap this segment up by listing just the facts that we know about this world. This is a new, fantastical, fictional universe we've been introduced to. And uh, here are just the, the facts, baby. Here are the things that we need to know. One, we know there's the golden age of piracy, and that there are all kinds of pirates all over the place. Two, we know there's a government that sets bounties on dangerous pirates and they have a navy that hunts pirates and keeps the peace sometimes brutally. Three. We know that there are magical devil fruits that give unbelievable powers but take the eater's ability to swim in return. Four. We know that the king of the pirates was executed by the navy ten or so years ago. That if you find his mythical treasure, the One Piece, you become the new king of the pirates. And five, finally, or at least this is the last one I could think of. Maybe there are some more that I just didn't occur to me. But here we go. We know that the One Piece is somewhere in slash on the Grand Line, also known as the Pirates' Graveyard. All right, that's it for this week's folks. Thank you for sticking with me. This is genuinely the end, I promise. In this final segment, I will review three final points to keep in mind for the next volume episode. Let's hit it. Point the first: Who's Nami, the thief that steals from pirates? She sticks some angry pirates on Luffy for like no reason. That was kind of shitty. And who's Buggy the clown? A pirate captain, I guess. What's his deal? Why is he like clowns so much? Next time on. Point the second. Luffy hasn't really hit an obstacle yet. Uh, After the introduction of Chapter One, he basically does whatever he wants. He beats the shit out of Alveda. He easily convinces Kobe to stand up for himself. He recruits Zolo fairly easily after some initial reluctance. He kicks Morgan's ass without getting hit even once. Um, So that brings up the question when will Luffy actually be challenged, either in a fight or in terms of his ability to convince people to believe in him? Will it happen? I mean, yes, but when will it happen? Point the third, Red-Haired Shanks, Alvida, Kobe, Helmepo, Captain Morgan. This volume introduced a lot of characters that get a decent amount of page time and then kind of disappear. We leave them behind real quick. Will we see any of these people again? The fact that I'm asking this question kind of answers it, but... Next time. time. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, that's about it. That's all I got. Hopefully this comes in in under half an hour. That's what it says in the script. Um, I'm looking at my timestamp now. There's a lot of editing out of of me, like, you know, uh, coughing and um, muttering and making mistakes, but I'm highly suspicious this will not come in under half an hour. <laughs> anyway, um, I'd hate to start my podcast breaking the vow I made in episode zero, but uh, whatever. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. I hope to have the next episode out in two weeks, maybe less, but don't count on it. Um, that episode will cover, as you might guess, One Piece Volume Two, Buggy the Clown. Please check out my personal Twitter feed at Alex Ron Johnson, as well as the show feed at the One Piece Zone for podcast updates, as well as just my good bits. Plus, um, this podcast is going to have a Zine accompaniment. I'm very excited about it. I can't guarantee it'll be good. I did some googling. There are some incredible One Piece Zines, Zines, Zines gonna be. There are some really good one-piece zines out there. Um, I'm not suggesting that mine will be on the level of any of those. It's gonna be extremely DIY, extremely one-man show, extremely um, not uh, high end. But um, I hope that you guys get some enjoyment out of it. It's gonna be short and easy to read. So there's always that. You should be able to find it on Twitter. Uh, it's gonna focus on art, like the best art from each volume. Like I had my best character and best whatever chapters uh, awards on here. I'm gonna give out some like art-based awards just because you know manga is a visual medium and you know there's only so much I can do with this audio format, so I like a little visual accompaniment to the podcast. Um, that's all for this episode. Um, be good and stay safe out there. While I'm at it, make sure to, if you feel so inclined, rate and review the podcast on iTunes. On I think it's on Google now. It's on Stitcher, I think. Wherever you're listening to it, if there's an option to rate and review, would be really appreciate it. Share it with your friends. Um, you know, it's possibly the only people listening to this are my personal in real life friends, so you know, uh, share it with me. Tell me that you listen to it. You can just like at me on Twitter and say I listen to the podcast. Unless you thought it was bad, and then you know what, just just let it be. Maybe say you didn't listen to it, or like you're like, yeah, it was all right. It's probably good. Anyway, um, that's about it. You are now next. So do I know.